I'm going to come to worship the Lord tonight. I don't know about you, but I come to worship the Lord. I tell you what, I, uh, a long time ago, seems like a long time ago now anyway, uh, when I preached one of my first messages here for this church, the pastor, he, uh, he told me uh, not to worry so much about numbers, but to worry about who's here. And uh, the thing is, with that, is uh, how many people believe that God is omnipotent? He is all-knowing. He has foreknowledge, right? He knows the end from the beginning. I believe that, and I believe that God gave me this word tonight. And so I believe that for the people who is here, this is for you. Because God knew he was going to be here long before I even knew I was going to preach. So I would just like to say, if you, go, if you all would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. When you have it, please stand for the reading of the word. It's chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 21, and I'm going to read verse 22. When you have it, say amen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left hand. You all may be seated. The parting of the Red Sea marked the beginning of Israel's journey into the wilderness of Sinai. And we uh, look at the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea and think, wow, how miraculous that was. But I think the more miraculous thing is that the earth was dry. Something that is never dry was completely dry. And when I was looking into this uh, scripture, it says that that east wind, many think that it was actually the east wind was so hard and so cold that it froze the water into place. And as they walked across and got to the other side, God then heated it back up and melted it over Pharaoh's army. And I could just imagine what that would look like when the water standing in just a solid sheet of ice as they walked through. I don't know about you, but that is a miracle that the earth was dry. I remember when me and my sister, we would go out and we would play down in my papa's woods. And some of that mud would be so thick that one time she stepped on some mud, it sucked down her foot. And when she pulled it out, her shoe was gone and she was crying. And we never did find that shoe. Could you imagine going across the Red Sea if it had been muddy or damp with, with carts and with all of their possessions as they walked across? But it was dry so that they could go through easily. I believe that they not only had a little bit of a head start, I th I, I, this is just my personal opinion. I think as soon as Pharaoh's army started stepping down into that water, into, the, into, that, into that seabed, I believe that that water, that that dirt started getting a little murky and started to get a little muddy and started trying to drag them down a little bit. I believe that there was all kinds of miracles happening right in that little area, but I don't want to dwell on that. What I want to say is that the beginning of the wilderness of Sinai happened with the parting of the Red Sea. And could you imagine 40 years of wandering through the desert? 40 years of trying to serve God and please Him. And there were times that they failed. There were times that they succeeded. And everybody knows when they got to the promised land how they had, how they had the bad reports. And only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, came back with a good report. And as a result, they ended up being in the wilderness for 40 years. Come to the end of the 40 years and Moses climbs Mount Nebo. 
and gets to see the promised land, but he can't go in because he, 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 he trespassed against the Lord. Now, there were only two Israelites that came out of Egypt, Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else is 20 years old or younger at this point. The youth group got a kick out of it when I told them that Joshua and Caleb were the first youth leaders. Because they walked in and they were leading a bunch of kids and a bunch of 20-somethings. And I don't know about you, but we can't, we're not all that mature at that age. But Joshua and Caleb were the only original people that came out of the Red Sea. That saw what God did when he parted the Red Sea. That saw when the, when the earth was dry and when they came out. And, and they were the only two who saw what happened. There have been 40 years of stories. 40 years of what God had done in Egypt. What God had sent Moses as a deliverer. That God had sent the ten plagues to Egypt. That God had split the Red Sea so that the Jews could cross on dry land. That God did swallow up Pharaoh. How many people know that? Stories often tell the have-beens or the used-to-bees or the was or the once-upon-a-times, like all the Mother Goose stories. Once upon a time, there was this. Once upon a time, there was that. Stories are always stories of the past. It's always a was. I was there. I did see that. Did you hear about what happened? There's always a past to a story. This generation of Israelites had heard from their fathers and their grandfathers of what God had done for them and who God was to them. He was a was God. You know, he, they, this is the stories that my grandparents told me. These are the stories that my, my papa, my daddy, and my mama, they told me that this is what happened when I came out, when they came out of the Red Sea. They told me about when God came down on the mountain. They told me when the mountain shook. They told me about what happened when God's voice, that when he spoke, it was as thunder. And we fell to the ground, terrified because of how God was. We hear these stories of how God was. And I was reading a quote from the Speaker's Source book. If you have never heard of the Speaker's Source book, it is an old book. It predates me. And in the Speaker's Source book, it says that water changes its color while passing through rocks and swift currents. For a moment, it is churned into a white foam. Reality often looks unreal when passing through tests and opposition. Water oftentimes, you can tell it's water when it's going through a stream. But when it hits some rocks and when it hits some rough spots in the, in the, in the ocean bed or in the, in the creek bed, you get rapids. That's why they have categories of rapids based on how hard the conditions are in that specific situation. So can I tell you that sometimes when you go through the wilderness and when you go through a rough time, that reality of God may not seem too real 
real to you because of the shape that it had to take in order to get you to where you are at today. Sometimes you wonder, God, where are you? Because I don't recognize who you are. I don't recognize what I see. But can I tell you that God will take the shape that is required to get you to the end of the wilderness? And just because you don't recognize God doesn't mean he's not there and doesn't mean that he won't see you through. Can you imagine being born and growing up in the wilderness? I thought about that. These 20-something, 15, 12, 10-year-olds who grew up, all they knew was trouble. All they knew was the desert. All they knew was a hard time. All they knew was the past stories of what God had done, what God had done for them, what their fathers and their mothers and their brothers and their sisters had said about them. The reality of who God was may have seen unreal based on where they were at. We hear the stories of the water. We hear the stories of God and what God had done. But they grew up in a desert place. They grew up in the wilderness. I'm not saying that they were unbelieving, but I am saying that that would try your faith. When you're in a position to where all you see is the desert, you hear about what had been and what could have been. And if there had just been some people that believed, you would have already taken the land. But because of unbelief, here you are in the desert what did I do to deserve this why am I having to suffer for my father why am I in the desert and here they are growing up in the wilderness and now the only man they've ever known to lead to lead is Moses and he gets told you're going to go up on a mountain and you're going to die but I'm going to show you what your brothers and sisters the Israelites are going to inherit and he goes up on the mountain and dies. And God comes to Joshua and says, guess what, Joshua? You're in charge now. And then it was just the two of them, Caleb and Joshua. They're at the edge of the Jordan River. The Jordan River was the boundary line between promise and wilderness. The pastor touched on it a little bit today. It was the boundary line between the wilderness and my promise. That that I've been wanting. You know, the, the Jordan isn't that long. You were singing about seeing the lights. I could just imagine how excited they were when they were on that side of the Jordan. And they could see their promise. It's one thing to hear about it when you're in the desert. But it's another thing when you can see the promise. And you know you're almost home. You know always. We gotta do is cross that river and that reality is gonna be my promise amen and I'm gonna read a little something to you here it's in Joshua 3 if you're wondering Joshua 3 and 16 and 17 and it says that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zartan and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the sea, salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed 
over right against Jericho. See, Jericho wasn't worried about them because it took a long time to get over the Jordan because there was only certain seasons it was low enough to cross. That's why they weren't ready because the Jordan split apart. It says, and the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stirred firm, guess what? On dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground. It says it twice. Until all the people passed clean over the Jordan. And can I tell you that there is a difference. Now see, a little bit after this, we find out that Joshua makes a remembrance. But what I want to preach on tonight is when your remembrance becomes a reality. See, my sermon, if I had to give it a title, it would be Reality in the Remembrance. What God started in Moses' day by delivering them from slavery, by sending them into the wilderness, God was allowing Joshua to stand in his stead to finish what he started and propose a mere miracle. A mirror miracle. He split the Jordan in two. The Jordan, as I said, represents the last boundary between the wilderness and the promised land. What God did 40 years ago, He was doing right then. He was doing right then. Can I get an amen? As they were walking through the Jordan on dry land. See, this is where I get excited. Because I'm younger. I'm going to be 30 this year. But I can just imagine that some, I don't know how old he was, 50 years old or so, uh, 50 or 55-year-old Joshua walking through the Jordan. And I could just hear him saying, this is what God did for us in Egypt. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that parts the Red Seas. This is the dream land that we walked on when we went to the wilderness and this is the dry land that we walk on as we go into the promise this is God this is it and I can hear Caleb leading the back you know they got one leader in the front and one in the back that's just how I imagine it that's how adults would do it And I can hear Caleb in the back saying, Amen, I saw it too. Sorry if I get loud, but that excites me. This is who I was talking about. There's a difference between your story and it happening before your eyes. Instead of saying, I was, you say, I saw. This is it. This is what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? These were the miracles that your fathers and your forefathers spoke of. This is it. Jehovah is not just a memory. He is reality. He is not just the stories of was and has beens. He is reality. That's why I like when Jesus, when God, when they brag on themselves. I love that because there isn't nothing better than a champion who knows he can't be beat. 
There's nothing better than a champion who says, look, there is no underdog. I am the champion. I am, I am. There is a reason why in Revelation 1.8, Jesus, Yeshua, he says about himself, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He is reality. The stories of was, guess what? He was there. He says, I was, but guess what? I am right now. And whether you like it or not, I will be the same to come. The same God that split the Red Sea, the same God that split the Jordan will be the same God who splits the Mount of Olives when he comes down to set up his kingdom forever. It's the same God yesterday in the was and the once upon a time stories and the happening now stories and the I will be stories. It's that God. He is reality. Today in America, today in America, it seems that my generation, y'all know where I'm going. It seems that my generation and those under me have been born into a wilderness. We've been born into a place where God's law is no longer the law. The Ten Commandments are taken as suggestions. Abortion has been passed. Prayer is just now being fought to try to bring it back into school. We have the LGBTQ. We have educators who tell us what that means. We have them teaching our children that in schools now. And it seems like we're in the wilderness. Many of the church elders who saw the miracles and who passed down the stories have died and gone on to be with the Lord. I think of those powerful preachers. You've heard me say them, say them up here. Now Billy Graham's been added to the list who's no longer. Well, I guess he's more alive than I am. But he's no longer here with us on this earth. And I see, you know, when they were giving his uh, memorial service, they called him a type of Moses. And I thought, huh. Moses never did see the promise. He just got people there. He got them there. And I know there's many other people. You know, where's the young kids at tonight? I don't know where they are. It's a beautiful day out. I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about abroad. Where are they? Many of us have grown up in the wilderness thinking, I've heard the old stories. I can't tell you how many people I've heard of. My mom went to church. My dad is a pastor. But somewhere along the way, the generation has grown tired of being in the wilderness. They've grown tired of trying to have to push the plow. They've grown tired. And they say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is my promise? I don't know where it is, but I'm tired of waiting. And so they leave. But can I give some hope tonight? 
Thank God we still have a few elders left. Thank God we still have a few elders left. You know, I hear about some people saying that uh, the young kids are too energetic. And I've heard people say that the elders are too old. But can I tell you, the elders need our energy. And I need the elders' wisdom. So that one day, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I believe my generation and those behind me are standing at the Jordan River. I believe we're there. We're standing at the Jordan River. And I was joking with my wife. I said, you ever see one of those big buffy guys go to the, go to the beach? They take their shirt off and they're just all ripped and jacked, you know? I told Katie, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I told Katie, wait until God takes his shirt off. The Bible does say that he flexes his mighty arms. And I'm waiting for a time my God's about to show up and he's about to show off. If someone thinks they're mighty, if someone thinks they're powerful, you have not seen God show off yet. He's going to show up. He's going to flex those mighty arms and he's going to part the difficulty. He's going to part that desert. He's going to part that river and he's going to allow us to walk into our promise. And can I tell you one of the reasons why I need my elders? We need elders so that when God shows up and starts showing off, they can jump up to their feet like Brother Coffee, like Brother Peters, and like others and Joshua and Caleb did. And they can say, this is the miracle we were talking about. This is the God that showed up back in the 50s, back in the 60s, back in the 70s. This isn't a story. This is reality. This is my God. This is the same miracles that's happening before your eyes. This is God. I need them stories because there's many things I've never seen. I've never seen tumors fall off of faces. I've never seen the lame walk. I've never seen the blind eyes open. I've never seen these things. I've just heard of, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy the miracles, but I just hear of things that I can't see. I just believe that the healings happen. I believe that the cancer's gone. I believe that my mom's healed, that my wife is healed. But can I tell you that when I see a tumor slide off of someone's face, I believe Brother Peters is going to jump up and say, this is it. This is him. This is the dry land. Let's walk across. Let's walk across because this is him. We're not going to have to fight to get into the promised land. Might not seem like it in the wilderness, but can I tell you when the time comes? We're not going to have to fight to get into the wilderness. They didn't have to fight to get across Jordan. They didn't have to fight to tear down the walls of Jericho. They walked in and they inhabited the land. And can I tell you ever since my Lord died for me on the cross, I've been guaranteed a right to walk across and inhabit the land. I've been guaranteed a right to inhabit 
When God shows up at the Jordan River, they didn't fight over our promise. The land is going to open up on dry land, easy passage. Can I tell you that when the Lord shows up and he calls us home, there's not going to be any fight in the air. It's going to be immediate victory. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed ever to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to walk across ever changed, ever as close to Christ as I can be. I will be like Him. I will be where He is just because I chose to walk across to get my promise. Can I tell you that the church, some of us will look. First thing people would do if they came in was they'd look at our numbers and they'd count. Basing victory over the number. Some people say the church is dwindling. The church is in the wilderness. But can I tell you that when my God shows up, the church is simply going to walk on dry land into victory. The church is going to walk into the promise. There's not a fight. This isn't a cinematic movie. There's not a climax. There's just my God showing up ever powerful. And I told the Lord when I was praying today, God, one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I might as well now get down on my knees, raise my hands, bow to you and say, Jesus is Lord. I'm getting my practice in because the Bible says everyone will do it. Some will have some hard times bowing before the Lord because they won't bow to anybody but themselves. But when Jesus shows up, the first thing, you know that song that says I can only imagine what I would do. The first thing I'm going to do is say, Lord, you're worthy. I bow at your feet. I'm unworthy to be in your presence. And you know what he'll do? He'll pick me up. He'll put a crown on my head. And he'll say, enter in my good and faithful servant. And to those that have a hard time bowing, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. But there's coming a time when that Jordan will split and I'm walking across whether you're with me or not I'm going and the only difference is I'm leaving my stuff here because I got better possessions over in glory than my little house on Richwood Drive I'm going to leave it someone can have it and I'm going to be with the Lord I've been preaching a half hour. How many believe it's coming? I haven't given up hope. I can see the army standing on the banks of the Jordan. Only instead of a mighty wind, you know, the Bible says that there wasn't a mighty wind in the Jordan. 
It talks about the Jordan backing up. It talks about the Jordan backing up so far that the Dead Sea dries up. And the way they describe it is that literally God came down like this and placed his hands so that the water kept flowing, but it just backed up and it was dry land. I believe God said, and he just let him walk across. His hands blocked the water. His hands blocked the water. And can I just say this? There's been a lot of stuff I haven't seen. There's been a lot of things I've heard about. I've been in the wilderness a while. But there's coming a time that my God's hands are going to block that which is coming against me. God's hands are going to block the attacks and the raging river of the enemy. It says that he comes in like a flood. But my God raises a standard against him. Can I tell you when he comes in, God's hand will come down. And he is going to block that river so that I can walk across on dry ground. He will block it so that the flood has no power. When the flood comes, my God, I told you the water changes based on the circumstance. My God turns into a dam, an impenetrable fortress to allow me to walk through. He is my mighty tower and it's him I'll seek refuge. It's him I went into, and he is where my help comes from. Can I get an amen? Is someone willing to go across the Jordan to be with Jesus? I've preached enough. I can feel the Lord telling me to stop. Would you all stand with me, please? <clears throat> Is there anybody who feels like the wilderness has them weighed down? I know how I feel when I'm 30. I'll be 30 in September. And I know that we have elders here, people who've been serving the Lord a long time. But... A close, a close relative of mine, I won't say his name, said recently over some of the circumstances he had to go through that he wished he hadn't lived long enough to see what he saw. And I understand where he's coming from, but that's discouragement. And if there's some of you who see what's going on and you're discouraged, wondering... Where is the God they spoke of? Where is the God who split the Red Seas? Who, who is in the tent meetings? Where is the God who made people get out of wheelchairs and open blind eyes? I heard a story which hits close to home for me. He was praying. He wasn't even blind. The Spirit hit him and gave him 20-20 vision back. And I tell you, besides going home, I long to see that. I long to see the stories become realities, brother. And if some of you have become discouraged over what you've seen, 
I want to pray for you. And on a separate note, because I don't want to call any individuals out or anything. On a separate note, if you just need uplifted, because the road, the, you can get thirsty in the wilderness. You can get tired in the wilderness. And until that burn gets lifted in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we all need encouragement. There's a reason why we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. There's a reason why we fellowship while we eat, why we hug each other, why we ask how each other's doing, why we're a family, because if we're alone, we'll be eaten. If we're alone, we'll get tired. A team of horses pulls a chariot a lot better than one. And finally, which I think this will get everybody, if you believe we're standing at the Jordan, if you believe that any moment God's hand's going to come down and say, get on up here. Come up hither. I'm waiting for him to say my name. Because I know there's a lot of Jameses out there, but when he says my name, it'll be mine. When he says my name, he'll say my name the only way he could say it. And I will go and be with the Lord. And as much as I love my wife, as much as I love my parents, they got to be written in the book and they have to get their name called individually. And I got a lot of family who wouldn't hear their name called. Just like Pastor was saying this morning about Reuben, and I forget the other tribe who wanted to stay in the wilderness. There's people who know better. So close to the promise they choose to stay in the wilderness. And when the Lord calls me, I'm going if they're ready or not. But can we please pray for all of our families saying, Lord, make them cross with us. Whatever you got to do, get them there so they'll cross the Jordan with me. Because when that time comes, I'd much rather them be in the promise than in the wilderness. Come pray, everyone. Come pray.